0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 20 brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. And not like always, I am not joined by Benjamin Solak at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He has the evening off, but we have a special guest for you here today to go in along with our preview shows for this upcoming battle with the Minnesota Vikings. I have Arif Hassan joining us from the Athletic Minnesota To help me break down this matchup, it's a good compliment to some of the other preview shows that we do, bringing an outside voice to give us a better perspective on the team that we're playing as we gear up for this game. So let's kick it over to that interview with Arif right now. And I am joined now by Arif Hassan of The Athletic Minnesota. You can follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan, that's H-A-S-A-N-N-F-L at the end there. That's what smart people do, just like me. Arif, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you excited? Because I there's a stat that I just pulled up today, and I actually had to do some math to get this.
2: Uh, heaven forbid, man!
1: <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, the Eagles play the Vikings on the seventh of October, in exactly 38 days removed from their last preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough, dude. What do you what do you make of that correlation?
2: <laughs> I, I mean, you can you can find numbers, and you're like Keanu Reeves out here, man. You can just find those numbers if you want. Throw them at me
1: <laughs> but yeah so uh putting that we had to get the obligatory 38 to 7 joke in there thank you for being a good sport about it but let's take a look at this this vikings team as a whole right now they're one two and one life isn't obviously what you thought it would be coming into the season they look like they could be a dominant team they get an at quarterback uh and then some some Weird stuff happens. It's not so weird losing an overtime game to the Green Bay Packers led by Aaron Rodgers. It's completely understandable. But then, or excuse me, you tied that game. Yeah, that's the second time they've tied the Packers in like five years. It's so weird. But yeah, and then you drop a stunner, which might be the biggest yeah. upset of the season to the Buffalo Bills. And then, of course, you have the West Coast trip on a, on a short week going out to play the Los Angeles Rams, absolutely understandable that you would drop that game. But the the Buffalo one, if we're searching for answers as to why that happened, it, was that just a one-off or is that a, a problem that, that points to something bigger with this team?
2: Uh, yeah, I think the way to answer that question is to take a look at sort of how they lost the Buffalo game and see if there's kind of like a through line in the other games that, they, uh, that they've lost or even just all four games. And I think there is, and that's the problem. It seems like there's kind of an underlying problem uh, with the Vikings defense, uh, you know, people kind of think about the Vikings defense. Maybe not anymore, but they thought of the Vikings defense as this, you know, top five unit that has you know all pro players at every level, and it, you know it feels like that's who they have. I mean, those are, that's the talent that they have, but you know they haven't executed on that talent, and they've been beaten by pretty similar concepts in all four games. Now, in the San Francisco game, it didn't you know hurt them all that much because they were able to. You know, force third downs a lot more often. So, you know, Shanahan couldn't go to some of those concepts as often as he needed to. But, you know, the Vikings are the worst team in the NFL against play-action passing. That's, Ooh. like, pretty huge, especially against, you know, a Doug Peterson offense that last year, you know, was second in the league in play-action passing. Then when Nick Foles arrived, you know, they were first in the league. Mm. And so that's that's a big problem. You know, the the linebackers get sucked in. Occasionally the safety deals will get sucked in. The corners are left kind of on islands, and they get beat on those crossers. Uh, They also uh, seem to have a lot of problems with communication. You know, two of the big touchdowns from the Buffalo game, tight end Jason Kroom got open because the linebacker and nickel corner miscommunicated. Uh, The 55-yard Chris Ivory catch and run, miscommunication between the nickel cornerback and the linebacker. What's interesting is that there were two different nickel corners in that situation. It was Mike Hughes for one and, and Mackenzie Alexander for the other. That's showed up in uh, in other games. You know, they did that against the Rams. There was a miscommunication uh, and the Rams game, you know, demonstrated that you can force the Zimmer defense to do stuff and then you can uh, act against whatever coverage you've kind of forced. Uh, and so when you become predictable like that or manipulable like that, you know, it's it's difficult to have a very good defense.
1: Is that what happened in the Rams game where it was we're going to we're going to force you into a look. And and if we don't get the look we want, we're going to shift things around a little bit and get you into what we know we can get you into. And then you attack you that way.
2: You know, a lot of it was wasn't even necessarily, you know, this isn't necessarily the look that we want. It's that, you know, hey, we know we can win against cover three do mm. we force the Vikings into cover three, you know, right. that sort of stuff. So. Uh, They, I mean, you know, if they, if they didn't motion and shift, I I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, had pretty good success, but you know, it's, if you go to the play that you know will work, you know, you might as well do that. And, uh, they forced the Vikings into various looks through motions and shifts, and they knew exactly what those looks would be. Uh, so when they went empty, you know, they knew the Vikings would go into cover three, for example, uh, and they ran four verts against that. And, you know, the typical answer to four verts from cover three is, you know, pattern matching coverage and, you know, the, the Rams knew exactly how to, uh, how to exploit that, put Anthony Barr on an island against a receiver, you know, that sort of stuff. And they did that a couple of times throughout the game. The play-action tight end leak that, you know, hurt them against uh, San Francisco, hurt them against the Rams. They need to find ways to change up what the defense looks like against uh, against different looks because it's a really diverse defense. You know, they do cover one, cover three, cover two, cover four, cover six. They have different coverage shells. They do a bunch of games up front. Uh, they're willing to play man, zone, mixed, or match coverage. Uh, with their corners Uh, and so they have all the tools they need schematically and and technically from a technique perspective to have an unpredictable defense but when
1: you know what the rules of that defense are and you can force them into certain looks it, it becomes easy to exploit yeah and you've got a piece in your tagline for the piece on the athletic that i believe was dropped in in the last couple of days here is vikings defensive struggles against rams represent the struggles they've had all season so if you're listening and if you're an athletic subscriber number and if you're not go subscribe but but if you are go check out that article that's got a lot of great info about that on there let's flip it to the offensive side of the ball and talk about this this new look offense with with, uh John DiFilippo coming in and being the offensive coordinator Kirk Cousins is a guy you bring in to upgrade over Case Keenum I think Kirk has played well and uh, overall do you believe him to be uh, a bit of nitroglycerin, maybe, or is he a stable signal caller that will help right this ship by being a rising tide?
2: I think he's stable. Uh, I think uh, sometimes that can actually be a bad thing, and that that actually did show up a little bit in the Rams game. But uh, for the most part, you know, he's stable. He's so far demonstrated that he's worth the money that they're paying him, which is kind of like the number one talker for a while. You know, mm. $84 million for three years, is he worth it? And it seems like he is. That's not to say he's you know, not without his cons, right? You know, he has negatives to his game, but I think for the most part, he's doing kind of what's asked of him. He's executing really well and not in kind of a game manager way. You know, he's been able to participate in explosive playmaking and put, you know, the really talented skill position players that the Vikings have in really good places where they can win. Uh, the Vikings have scored a lot of points, you know, uh, except, of course, against the Bills. That that one, I think, offensively, that one's weird. I think defensively, yeah. that was, you know, representative, but offensively, that was just weird. But, you know, he... uh you know, he does a great job of executing kind of the game plan, and DeFilippo's done a really good job. Uh, He's really phenomenal at game planning and designing throughout the week. Uh, And so, you know, they've got great answers to the matchups and and the coverages that we'll see. They've got uh, really good kind of responses, uh, at least schematically, kind of in the run game. Now, the offensive linemen aren't really keeping up, but I think, Technically, they're doing a really good job of designing what they should do. Play calling, you know, Filippo's not doing as hot. I think that'll grow over time. Um, but in terms of game planning, he's doing a really good job, and that's kind of showing up because Cousins is, is not an improviser. He needs to have answers. And so, you know, he goes to the line of scrimmage with a play in mind. He's got answers. He sees the look. He sees that it might be different. He's, he goes to his second set of instructions. You know, uh, it's a disguise. They go to something else. He goes to his third set of instructions. He's really good at that. And so, uh, because of that, you know, they've been able to put uh, a bunch of points up on the board. They put a, bo- a bunch of points up against a really talented, you know, Rams defense, even if they were missing, you know, keep Talib and Marcus Peters was injured in the game. You know, they were able to put up 31 points. That's not nothing. Uh, and, you know, they they had a 22-point, you know, comeback rally against Green Bay. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's a talented offense, and Cousins is doing a really good job of kind of executing kind of what's been put before him.
1: Yeah, flip. Uh, flip is definitely great, and we definitely miss him here. And, and along with with what Kirk is up against as a quarterback and what he has to deal with around him, one of the aspects that you alluded to that is that is kind of failing that team right now. Sam Monsoon from Pro Football Focus recently tweeted out that the Vikings' offensive line has now surrendered eighty-one pressures through four games, and he says that the average offensive line gives up over one hundred and sixty over the life of a season. They're on pace. For 324 pressures allowed, and that would be the most they've seen in a decade of charting it by 70 pressures. Uh, along with that, they're dead last and pro football focuses past blocking efficiency metric by a lot. Arif, in, in light of all that, my question to you would be, what the hell?
2: Yeah, uh, this is, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, the question Vikings fans are asking too, right? Uh, and, and it, it kind of stings a little bit because uh, in, in week one, you know, Mike Hughes ends up getting a pick six uh, and sealing out the game. And uh, Mike Zimmer after the game was like, I don't see people complaining about the first round cornerback pick now. <laughs> and, <laughs> week four. And it's like, you know, Cousins has been under pressure more than almost any other quarterback in the league, mm-hmm. except for, you know, quarterbacks were inviting it like, you know, Josh Allen. And which that still stings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's he's fourth fourth most though, and and Josh Allen has been known to uh, hold on to the ball and try to make some weird things yeah. happen. So yeah, totally. Understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: uh, and so so Cousins is is pretty good about not inviting pressure, and despite that, you know he's he's fourth in the NFL in in, in pressure. Uh, and so uh, it, it feels kind of hollow now that Zimmer said that because you know the second round pick, the tackle Brian O'Neill, developmental. They don't want to put him out there too early. They kind of learned their lesson with T.J. Clemmings. You, you put out a developmental guy too early. Uh, and they just kind of get bad habits and kind of ingrained to them, and you can't you can't coach them out of it. Yeah, they, they've they've had you know they've had to deal with a ton of pressure, primarily from from two linemen, Riley Reef, which is really unfortunate because they paid a lot of money for him, and Mike Remmers, who was the other tackle that they they grabbed in free agency that they spent a lot of money on. They had to move him to guard uh, because. They didn't draft a guard. <laughs> uh, um, and, and they've got this, like, super backup, uh, Rashad Hill, who I still maintain is better than uh, almost any other backup tackle in the league. The problem is that he's starting, yeah. right? And so, you know, he's not doing a great job, but he's not doing a, an awful job, honestly. But Mike Remmers is doing a pretty terrible job at guard because uh, he's the kind of tackle that, that does well because he's patient, mm. which is not a thing you can do at guard. Uh, and so, uh, they've been giving up a ton of pressures. I think between the two of them, they've given up more pressures than I want to say three or four offensive lines have. I think Riley Reef gave up, uh, 11 pressures against Buffalo and Chicago at that point had given up 10 total pressures yeah. all season. So, uh, yeah, that's a huge problem. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, that, that, that cousins is not an improviser and that you know there are some cons to his game and while i do think that coming out of washington it was kind of overblown how poor he was against pressure it's still definitely not something that you can you know say he's got you know, he's better than than a bunch of other quarterbacks around the league, right? I mean, like Carson Wentz is a pretty good example of a guy yeah. who's pretty good against pressure. Case Keenum actually last year, kind of one of the selling points was that when pressure arrived, he did a pretty good job of, mm. of improvising his way out of it. But, you know, Cousins is not that. And so when he's under pressure, it, Buffalo game, 53% of snaps. The uh, the Rams game, some 45% or something like that. Yeah, it, It's going to collapse, you know? And, and you mentioned Sam Monson. Monson's kind of uh, thing is that, you know, he says that, You, you, the breaking point for a quarterback, kind of regardless of who you have, unless it's like a Rodgers or a Brady, is forty five percent. Once you get past forty five percent, almost no quarterback has the ability to kind of overcome that. Right. Um, And you know, I don't know if that's you know true or false, and it's kind of weird to have a threshold, but you know, fine. But it's clear that Cousins is well past that for a lot of these games. It should be said, of course, they've gone up against a bunch of talented defensive lines. You know, they've got Donald and Sue against the Rams. Uh, You know, there's Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes uh, in in Buffalo. You know, they had to deal with DeForest Buckner uh, in San Francisco. But I mean, like, that's just kind of the deal right now in the NFL. And it's not like, you know, going up against the Eagles, it's going to get any easier. It's probably going to get harder. So, uh, yeah, they're giving up a ton of pressure. You can kind of excuse some of it for the talent they've given up, but I mean, for the talent they've gone up against, but there just simply isn't enough Talent on the offensive line. They got Pat offline back. That's going to help. You don't have Brett Jones at center. He gave up, you know, a fair amount of pressure, but you still have to deal with Tom Compton, who's been kind of a backup swing tackle guard in the league for most of his life. You know, Mike Remmers, who is not a guard;
1: he's a tackle
2: uh, and a backup tackle at the at the right end, and a, and a struggling tackle who may be suffering from a foot injury at the left end. So.
1: Yeah, it's really tough. It's wild, too, because you talked about him not holding on to the ball. And I, I just looked it up. Out of 29 qualifiers, he's 11th in time to throw. He's at 2.47. That's that's nice and speedy. And, and, and in week three, he was at, let's see here, 2.36 seconds time to throw. And he was still under pressure 53% of the time. It was second most in They're the too NFL. Wild. It's, it's insane. Crazy. Yeah. Cause I mean, you you can you can look at it from week to week and you'll see guys that Carson Wentz held on to it 2.65. So yeah, he's gonna get pressure a little bit more. That is insane. So that's something to keep an eye on and he's been good under pressure this this year so far with a 109.8 quarterback rating but one of the things that maybe can can help them is getting some sort of a semblance of a run game going I guess. I know passing is more important obviously but right now a league low 63 yards per game, 29th worst, 3.5 yards per carry. Dalvin Cook says he's working his way back to 100% but he's not there yet. Can this running game function without Cook and with a leaky offensive line like we've been talking about?
2: I think it's entirely on the offensive line because Cook, you know, he- May not be at one hundred percent, but he actually looks really good. Mm. You know, he has—I want to say—ninety-one yards after contact and like ninety-eight total rushing <laughs> yards. Like, <laughs> like this that says is a lot. <laughs> Uh, I think he's averaging like 0.3 yards before contact. Like, it's just wild, right? (laughs) And if, you know, if it was a running back that like just didn't have vision and didn't have the ability to kind of avoid, like, you know, Trent Richardson had a poor yards before contact. But I mean, for, you know, we know that's his fault, right? But for Cook, we know that that's not his fault. He's got pretty good vision. The same is true of Latavius Murray, who's playing better for Minnesota than he ever did for Oakland, but he's, but he doesn't have the numbers, right? Because he's on a timeshare and then also, like the offensive line is just abysmal, uh, and so uh, I think Cook is number three in Pro Football Focus's elusive rating, hmm. uh, which like <laughs> for <a> dude averaging <laughs> like two point <laughs> eight yards a carry, like that's wild. Oh my god! Uh, so yeah, the from from a run to run perspective, they're they're doing a really poor job. Uh, Brett Jones, like I mentioned, the center that they traded for from the Giants. Uh, he was kind of a big problem uh, in the run game. He gave up a bunch of uh, of tackles for loss up the middle. Uh, and he's been, again, replaced by Pat Offline, he who's healthy again. Um, so that should help kind of resolve things a little bit. But, you know, Mike Remmers has been, again, you know, pretty bad at, at run blocking. Tom Compton has been go- really good in some games and really poor in some other games uh, at run blocking. But just overall, you know, if you've got one weak link in the offensive line, it's difficult to get a run game going. But if you've got like three, maybe hmm. four. Uh, Depending on the week, you know it's impossible. Uh, The other the other thing you mentioned is that the rushing total is down, and I think the Vikings are focusing on it more than than I am because the Vikings are. It it made sense why the why the rushing totals were down against Buffalo. They they called I think four rushes, and then they had like two more scrambles from Cousins. And like that, you know, they're chasing the entire game. They're like down twenty seven to zero in the first quarter. Like, there is no friggin' time to run the ball. Uh, and then against Green Bay, they had to go against the. They had to go away from the run because yeah. they had to score twenty two points in the fourth quarter. The rushing total kind of makes sense. It's the it's the efficiency uh, that that doesn't. I am not a huge yards per carry guy, but I Same. think if you are below three. Or above six. Like, you, there's something there. Uh, anywhere in between, maybe that's negotiable, but... Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that's a huge problem for the
1: Vikings. Yeah, and that that's interesting. The game script of it too, because I was looking at you know their their formation tendencies with personnel, and I saw from eleven personnel they were passing eighty seven percent of the time, and I'm like, what is this? And then I look, and I you know the game script of it all, and of course yards yards are going to be down for that as well. But then you look at the the film of them trying to run the ball, and and it can definitely get ugly. And you know Brett Jones is a guy that you you brought up when the Vikings had to trade for a backup center on the New York Giants, who have a bad center already. I was like oh man they are in some serious trouble along that line so it'll be interesting to see how that fleshes itself out over the season how much it how much it costs them one last question for you Arif before I let you go Uh, I wish we could have touched on the receivers a little bit because I love Adam Thielen I love Stefan Diggs I think they're awesome we're going to talk about them in in the preview shows a bunch they're excellent talents but Everson Griffin what is going on with his, his situation and is there any timetable for his return?
2: Uh, I'll answer the second one first. The, there's not really a timetable for his return. I don't know if he's going to return this season um, or you know maybe next season. It's it's really up in the air. The the issue, if you know your listeners aren't aware, is that Everson Griffin has been dealing with a lot of mental health problems, and they uh, were kind of building up actually for uh, the past couple of weeks. You know, kind of before the Buffalo game, which mm-hmm. is where he was inactive and missing. Inactive in theory because of the foot, but missing because of the mental health issues. So they're they're kind of related. Um, not the foot, but the missing right for for a couple of weeks, you know there there's reports that you know he wasn't himself, right, uh you know, apparently you know, other players or, or staff on the Vikings had mentioned that, you know, he hadn't been himself for the past couple of weeks. Um, there is a lot of like confusion about kind of like the the order of events and kind of what the Vikings may or may not have done to try and help alleviate the situation, whether or not they told him to go seek uh, mental health counseling or not. And, you know, some reporters have had to redact reports that the Vikings required him to do that or whatever. But, you know, the, the long and the short of it is, you know, he had an incident where, Uh, He – at the Hotel Ivy, which apparently he was staying at even though he's got a house in Minnetrista, which is a very small municipality here in Minnesota. Um, He was staying at the Hotel Ivy, and uh, uh, he – I don't think he threatened uh, in the same way that a lot of the report is, um, but he was paranoid. He said they weren't going to let him back into his room because he lost his key, and they weren't giving him his key or something. Uh Uh, he, he mentioned something about you know, shooting up the place or shooting someone. Um, it sounds like it was abstract and, and, the, and the hotel employees didn't feel particularly threatened and there was no gun scene or anything like that. Uh, and then he just starts lying on the floor uh, in the hotel lobby. Uh, he leaves, uh, and apparently the reason he's in the hotel in the first place is because when he when he wakes up and he's battling the demons in his head, according to his wife, that's a phrase that she used. Right. You know, he leaves and goes to the hotel, which is just like wild to me that this is a thing that they've kind of established. Yeah, he drives around. He he asks like a stranger that he thinks he recognizes at a gas station to drive him around. Goes back, I think, to the hotel. Ends up at Trey Wayne's house. Uh, there is a report that he tried to break in. Both Wayne's and the police have denied it. The neighbor of Wayne's called it in and they were like, hey, there's a shirtless dude in the bushes of my neighbor's house, which like, yeah, fair enough. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it's just wild. And so he's had a lot of problems uh, that have manifested in kind of this explosive incident on Saturday, It was like the day before the game. Yeah. He's, you know, really well aware and he sent kind of an apology out on Instagram, which, you know, uh, doesn't really need to apologize. It's like, you know, everyone's got... Uh, their own issues to deal with and when your mental health issues are like this severe it's yeah. kind of it's clear that that's going to be the priority and um so it looks like he's going to try and get that taken care of um and it sounds like his plan is to to go immediately back to football after that um but you know if he kind of decides that that's not you know is what is good for him then you know that's it's not going to be you know right that's just kind of how it is so yeah. For now, he's seeking out kind of counseling and, and try to get his mind right.
1: Yeah, that's you know you you hope football beyond beyond that you hope he gets his uh, you hope he gets everything well and his mental health ret- returns to a. A state that uh, he can just live a normal life and not have to worry about all that stuff. That's 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 a dog on shame. So, rooting yeah. for uh, for Everson Griffin, of course, uh, to to get that all in order. Uh, hard transition here. This is kind of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arif, I need a final score prediction from you.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, um, yeah, fair enough. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a way, so I don't really like that. Um, the the Titans are what are they? Not a bad team, right? They're so three and one first
1: team. in the AFC South, yeah. and they were just off yeah. a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars because Blake Bortles is bad.
2: Right? Yeah. So uh, they're <laughs> not they're not like an embarrassing team to lose to. So it's no. not like the Bills. But you know, I'll I'll just say you know Carson hasn't fully
1: returned to form yet,
2: according to me, uh, <laughs> and uh, and you know that that'll open up the Vikings an opportunity to give them a uh, give them a chance for a 24-21 win okay all
1: right i'll uh, i'll take that i'll let the listeners the gentle listeners do with that what they will uh arif thank you for joining me again follow arif his work at the the athletic minnesota on twitter at arif hassan nfl that's h-a-s-a-n arif i just got one last request i need you to repeat after me oh no oh no we all we got we all we get we all we need we all we need fly eagles fly not doing that part <laughs> oh man that was gonna and it was gonna hit the music and it was gonna okay all right well fly <laughs> eagles fly thank you Arif. <laughs> all right see you
2: man my name is
0: spencer hall my name is jason kirk my name is ryan nanny and when we combine we form the, the shutdown Full fulltron
1: It's not Voltron.